From Humber College, in association with the Etobicoke Philharmonic Orchestra, I am Mark Whale, and this is the Music Listening Project podcast. I am once again very happy to have with me the conductor of the Etobicoke Philharmonic Orchestra, Matthew Jones. Welcome, Matthew. It's great to be here. Thank you. And we are going to be discussing today the first movement of Beethoven's Third Symphony in E-flat major, also known as the Eroica. And the recording that we will be listening to is by Harnencourt and the Chamber Orchestra of Europe. And uh, I think it was recorded in 1991. So, Matthew, my love of this symphony was particularly enhanced by watching a film called Eroica. It's a BBC film. And it's entitled The Day That Changed Music. In what sense do you think that Beethoven's Third Symphony changed music? Well, it is uh, one of those symphonies that you, you hear about. And when somebody tells you, you know, this is the best symphony ever written, one has to kind of take notice. And I think that it comes down to the way Beethoven positioned himself as the composer with this particular piece of music. Uh, the Eroica refers to the hero, of course, and there's a lot of background information about this symphony and how it pertains to Napoleon, but really the true hero of the Third Symphony of Beethoven is Beethoven himself. And this was a pretty novel concept, I think, for composers and for listeners to embrace, and Beethoven is the first guy that really said, hey, this is my story, I'm going to tell it my way, and here it comes. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because in a sense, Beethoven pushes us out of the classical period into the romantic period, which is very much about self-expression. And I remember reading somewhere, I think it was uh, Donald J. Grout, you know, in the history of Western music, that, you know, no one else before had really used music as a vehicle of really that kind of inner exploration that Beethoven does. And uh, Beethoven's story up to the Third Symphony had been very complicated. And uh, his hearing loss was, of course, profoundly challenging to him. Uh, it, it challenged his will to mm -hmm. to go on, quite frankly. But um, within music, he found that thread that was going to, you know, take him forward. That that hope, that uh, companion, constant mm -hmm. companion. And so, it's a very special symphony where Beethoven has turned this corner. And he's bringing us along with us as well. The best part of the Third Symphony for me is that in placing himself as the hero of his own story, he is also inviting us to be the hero of our own stories as well. Mm -hmm. It's very powerful. That's nice. Um, okay, so this was written in 1803 to 1804. Uh, let's listen to a sort of opening kind of minute or so of it. <laughs>
So we haven't quite got to the second subject yet. But what are you hearing in that then? Um, those opening chords are... Uh, t- discussed and talked about a lot. What are they? Why are they there? And of course, it's a call to arms, isn't it? It's pay attention. This is it. Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna we're going somewhere. They're very very stark. They're very full of energy. Yeah, you can't really imagine uh, anybody before that really starting so kind of abruptly. Let's just listen to that once again. And it's amazing that after those abrupt chords, which, as you say, are quite novel, the tune goes to the cellos and the lower strings, which is also novel and unheard of up to that point. Where are the violins? So those first listeners of, of Beethoven Symphony 3 must have already been, wow, you know, this, yeah. is, this is novel. We both listened to a, a, a short talk by Leonard Bernstein, and Bernstein talks about the idea that Beethoven always begins with a fact. And I find that very intriguing. So for him, this fact is this bugle call, as he calls it. So ba 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 And uh, he then moves the rest of the symphony, in a sense, is a, an interrogation or a questioning or a scrutinizing of that call. How do you, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh... He, I mean, he's very well spoken about about this Bernstein. For me, it's it's almost like this tune is um, the primary colors for an artist. They're they're very simple, they're very blocked, and the rest of the symphony starts to you know mix them, uh, explore them, pull them apart, make make something more with those basic building blocks. Let's just listen to the first question. It happens right at the beginning. So we have these two chords, which are E flat major chords. Mm-hmm. And then he takes the, the notes from those chords and elongates or spreads them out, yeah, or separates them. Um, so we get this bugle call. But then listen to what, what happens in about the fourth or fifth bar. And you get that dee da da goes down. The C sharp that doesn't belong in E flat major. That's right. And it's a, a real interesting color. And also already you can see some of those, the primary colors kind of bleeding together, creating this, this new color. And of course, the first violins enter at that point. Right, with this, with, with, with this offbeat figure as well. Da, 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 mm-hmm. da. So, so it's not, so we, we have this very da, 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 da. So if you listen to the, uh, the violas, I guess it is, they're going ba, 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 yep, ba, ba, violas ba, in seconds. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's this pulse underneath. And then the, the cello, uh, uh, nice lilting three four tune, and then you get this point where the the bass, uh, I guess the cellos go down to what you're saying is a C sharp, mm-hmm. which does not belong in the key of E flat major, and the violins come in with this offbeat, this syncopated, this this out of kilter kind of sound. Let's do, let's... And save us, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, and 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 the, and the sun the sun goes in, and the, but then the sun comes out almost immediately, right? Right. There we go. And then we're back. And now he takes this arpeggio. And so out of that da dee da 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 dee dum. 
We're off on a journey already. Yes, absolutely. And so he starts to explore that that theme, right? And then what happens then? going on there we're really away to the races now not only in terms of chords but colors of rhythm now are coming into play and those marvelous staccato forzandi are really juxtaposed against that three four rhythm that you talked about at the beginning yeah it's almost like he's he's gone into two Yep. In part of the orchestra. So yep. we got one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, and then st- suddenly one, two, one, two, one. There's two. a story about Beethoven conducting this where he actually went with his own sports sandy and started to conduct in two, but the orchestra, of course, parts are in three, right. got all mixed up and messed up. So it's treacherous. <laughs> <laughs> two, one, two, one, two. Yeah. So I, I let it go that far because I think that's, again, important material, right? We have this this sort of dotted. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. the descending quality of it, of course, yeah. too. A much more thoughtful, f- for me, uh, a motive that Beethoven uses to pull us away from the uh, excitement and the drama of the Sforzando section that, um, you know, with that juxtaposed rhythm. And now we're evolving and going somewhere else right and it's just lovely that the different sound colors he gets right so it's very difficult in a sense to do a podcast on this well it's very easy on the one hand because it's so rich full of stuff and the other hand is what do you choose to talk about so but if we just listen again to that listen to the different instruments that play that Four different instruments. And again, so you've got four different instruments. You've got oboe or clarinet, was it first? Oboe, clarinet, clarinet flute, flute, and then, then violin. And, and also you, you then get a, a hint of something to come at the end, don't you, when the, the, the violins play this what was this very lyrical da da dum ba da da and then suddenly they give you a different character ba ba bum 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 absolutely which is even hinted at earlier by the oboe and the bassoon when they are introduced with Sforzandos again right so it's yeah it's clever here's the oboe Soon. Okay. Oh, oh, nice. There we nice, go. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 
And then we come to what we call the second subject, which is a, a more lyrical. So that's kind of the second subject, right? It, it, it kind of is, yeah. I mean, it, it's a longing quality for me. It is asking the symphony, asking the composer to come to terms with the what we've heard up to that point. I mean, and we have heard a lot of stuff and a lot of range of material, right, from this very boisterous Fort Sandy, the more plaintive, longer quality, legato quality motifs, and now the second subject sort of, well, you know, help us understand that. Mm -hmm. I like that, the, the sort of longing quality. Let's just listen to that again. And and now he takes that da da di da da and just takes the da 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 right, parsed it down, made it simpler, created expectation with it, because now we're we're on the hook, right? We're yeah. wondering, okay, uh, and and suddenly it becomes. Uh, so this longing quality of almost uh, uh, moments where it almost stops, right? The music almost stops with the second subject, this kind of pause for reflection. And then he takes this, the, the, the smallest little segment of it and then creates energy out of it. Listen to the flute. So I'm just going to stop there because I just think this is so amazing. So you get this dun, 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 dun. So we get the build up. And then, you know, you can't help but open up your arms and look to the heavens as it goes. And then, and you've got the weight of the orchestra accompanying the strings. And then he gives the tune to the flutes. He gives the same tune to the flutes. So the flutes are going... And it's almost... It's not inaudible. You can just about hear it. So we can hear it now. Do you see what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. For me, this is like the uh, I I've labeled this the joy theme for me. It's right. just so, and it, it's it's very joyful. It's almost it's almost psychotically joyful, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it really has a lot of energy to it, and and I think it's a, a real arrival moment, which comes back later in the symphony at, at those moments where you know, yeah, 
we've turned the corner. Right. So we have this joyful moment, but it seems bad scoring to give <laughs> it to the violins who can be heard and then to the flutes who actually struggle to be heard. So, I mean, this is not unusual for Beethoven to do weird stuff like this. Like, sure, the orchestration of it. Yeah. Right, right. Now, right. And, and so the question is for me is... I find it fascinating and it actually because I have to listen really carefully then and and I think the the tone color is is beautiful um but it just from a volume perspective it just doesn't work now floats now Love these hammered notes. I mean, just imagine the gentility listening to the ferociousness right. of those hammered offbeat notes when they've been used to hiding Mozart. Then we move to what's called in sonata form the development. Uh, this is the second, the middle section of the movement where the musical material from the first section, the, what's called the exposition, is taken and developed. And quite often it's a kind of a battle between the themes. But here we're going to listen specifically to the opening theme. So the da-dee-da-da-da-da-da-da. So that theme. And then the other theme that we pointed out was this, what we call the dotted figure. So he takes those two fragments and develops them. So hopefully I've got the right spot. So what are the different instruments playing there, Matthew? So we have this da ba dum the so dotted theme. The descending thing is again in the winds, oboe, then to the bassoon, then to the flute, and back to the oboe again. Or, so, excuse me, the violins as well, of course. And uh, similarly to how it was handled in the exposition that we right. listened to already, um, descending, definitely different. Um, and I think it's important to highlight here that if we're talking about, you know, a, a, a life's journey, that journey isn't always comfortable, and you can hear the color of the symphony here change, darken a little bit, mm -hmm. and we sort of get a sense that not everything has been as joyous as our joy theme, for example. Right. And, and just in juxtaposition, I guess, to the this descending figure, you get the rising scales yes. of the violin, right? Yes, contrary motion, yeah. And I, the other thing I like are those um, those accented notes in the middle of there. Bam! I don't know. Are they actually accented? Oh yes, in oh, the absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's Fort Sandy. Right. Yeah. So so these these kind of, in addition to everything that's going on, right? So you've got this descending dotted figure, dee da dun, dee da dun, da da dun, and then you've got the bam, ba 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 bum, bee ba dum within the violin, and then in the mix of all that are these dots of colour. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's just <laughs> extraordinary. Let's see if I can get that again. 
theme. Murky. Trouble in heaven. I mean, to me, that where, where it changes again is almost, um, it's a reaction for me to the kind of complacency, if you want to call it that, of the, the winds and that passage that we already know so well from the exposition. But now the music is, let's, let's take this somewhere else, you know? It's, it's not enough. We need more. Right. And, and, and where he takes it then is, well, first of all, we get the, the fugue, which mm. comes out of that. And then he takes the dee da dun dee da dun, and literally the da da dun da da dun becomes this incredible wall of sound. It's just literally he just keeps hammering this rhythm home. So the dotted figure, dee da dun, and then he just runs with this dotted figure. He does. Who would have thought that that beautiful lyrical theme could become this? Like death knocking on the door. <laughs> well, if you ever have angst to express in music, I think a fugue is a great place to start with it. <laughs> right. But, and it goes on. And then the sun comes out again. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. So w- of. what were those chords at the top? Are they diminished or Absolutely. They're they're very, very diminished. They're they're uh, they they are said to represent the tinnitus in Beethoven's hearing. Okay. So this is uh this fugue is is a frustration and an anxiety that culminates in this moment. And you can almost hear him musically trying to shake it off. You know, and and rid himself of this this ailment. Um, of course, he is unable to. But um, this is a key moment for for me listening to this symphony. Right, and then um, after after this, we then get Beethoven trying to come back into the recapitulation. So after you have you have your opening section exposition, then you have the development, and then we get a repeat of the whole thing. And this, of course, is what his audience would be expecting to hear this repeat. And he, the repeat will be signaled by the opening tune. Da dee da 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 da. So you begin to hear Beethoven having stabs at this, um, it, it, but it's still within development. So we have not yet got to the proper repeat. So here we are, two minutes away from the actual re- recapitulation. But we're kind of sensing we could be getting there, right? Trying to reclaim that yeah. joy that we had in the exposition, right? And then suddenly we've lost it. We're back. Searching. Searching. Just keep hearing this tune coming back now. 
How many different ways can you present the same tune? <laughs> And it's extraordinary. It just keeps going like that. And we're still 30 seconds away. And then we have, um, I guess, uh, this sort of uncertainty. <laughs> and what can you tell us about that little horn entry? Well, uh, the story goes, of course, that, that when this was being rehearsed and, and performed for the first time, a, a student of Beethoven's heard the horn come in and goes, the, the idiot, he's come in early, you know, and of course, Beethoven, no, he has come in exactly what he was supposed to. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a fake out almost. It sounds like a mistake. I was commenting to the orchestra that it's even in the second horn, it's not even in the first horn, right? So even in the score, it sort of, you know, looks like a, looks like a mistake. That's right. And, but what's interesting about it, of course, is you think, well, is this just a gimmick? But in a way, it summarizes everything that's been happening before in, in terms of anticipating this arrival. But the arrival is constantly being thwarted, which is not unlike what music is about, right? It is also not unlike Beethoven's journey to salvation, right? I, I mean, he really struggled. He wrote a suicide note, right? The Heiligenstadt Testament, which mm. is very famous uh, and, and not something that I think was supposed to be read in, with while Beethoven was alive. But um, he overcame all of this, but the journey was not easy. And you can hear just before the the relief of the recapitulation that the, how, how close it must have been for Beethoven. Eh? Mm -hmm. And I guess what I was going to say is, is, in a sense, the music is the journey Obviously, the, the, or the music is the story. The story has a beginning, it has an end. And yet what's important about the story is the story, is the stuff that happens between the beginning and the end. And Beethoven, in, in delaying the end, this is life, right? Mm. Like, we're not on the path to some ultimate joyous place. That path is what what life's about. And as we listen to the recapitulation now... I don't think it is as unabandoningly joyful as the exposition was where mm -hmm. we started. I don't think we have shirked off all of the struggle. And I mean, Beethoven is saying that that is, of course, reality, that it is okay, that this is how life goes and invites us to embrace our, our own stories and our own struggles. Mm -hmm. Let's just listen to that entrance into the recap, yeah. recapitulation once more. It's a great moment. So there's lots of amazing stuff, of course, in the recap, um, but I think we're going to uh, move on to the coda. Uh, can you explain to us what a coda is, Matthew? Well, once you have journeyed through your symphony and you, you are approaching the end, the last section that you hear, the, the coda, the codetta, is a wrapping up of, of all of the messages and all of the, all of the ideas for the symphony. So we arrive at, at a quite an extraordinary one in this. 
We do because, uh, you know, on my little dial, it says that the whole thing is 16 minutes and we're only at the 13 minute mark. Right. So this is now going to be a three minute wrapping up, which is uh, <laughs> my math isn't good enough to work out what the percentage is there, but it's what a fifth. It is. It's a lot of time. And I mean, when we, we consider that this first movement could be a symphony all on its own, I think that the the proportions that Beethoven has brought to it are, of course, uh, immaculate. I mean, it did take him three years to write it and get it just just so. New view, new vista. Absolutely. And again. And and for me, this just the beginning of it just sums up yet another treatment of this this theme, right? And you think you've had it all, and now suddenly the dance like uh, nature of the theme is brought out again with the beautifully playful uh, violins, and we're going to see that that then becomes what I kind of interpret is almost a, a Rossini like. Yes, you know, I read I read that in your notes, and I I listened, and I absolutely agree with right. you. <laughs> Let's just hear that again. This just reminds me, it, it's somehow operatic, and I cannot believe that this is 1803. Was Rossini around then? Exactly. Yeah, well, I'm sure this is... They were rivals, of course, and became a, a bit heated, actually, between uh, Rossini and Beethoven towards the end. Beethoven 9 was a kind of response to the pressure Rossini was putting on him. But huh. uh, well, I, There you go. Okay, <laughs> let's just listen to this, see whether, whether you, the listener, feels the same way as me. Trumpets. That's <laughs> oh, just fantastic. <laughs> it is. It's got to be one of my. Fa I mean, it's just joyous. Yes. This bit is joyous. Yes. Yeah. It just, just listen to that. So first of all, we get this. That's that's the bit that I that first alerted me to the Rossini bit, and then this trumpet bit. I hate to do it, but I have to... Sadly, cut Beethoven off. <laughs> Shocking. But that's okay. We can go and hear it in concert, of course. We can. Well, Matthew, it was lovely speaking to you and looking forward to playing it with as you. As am I. As am I. On November 23rd, right? That's right. Coming up soon.
Great. Well, thank you very much for listening to this. Uh, we at the Music Listening Project will be very grateful if, having listened to this, you could go on to the website, uh, the EPO Orchestra website, next to where you listen to the podcast or clicked on the podcast, and there should be a link to a survey, uh, which will take you about three minutes. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>